Hi there, I'm Trisha Barker and welcome to the Imposter Solution Podcast. Hi there and welcome to this week's episode where I am talking to the lovely Rachel Peru. Now I met Rachel in 2020 online and after following her and finding out more about the work that she did, I knew that I wanted to get her as a guest on the podcast. In this episode, Rachel shares how she recognises the first time imposter syndrome showed up for her and how that resulted in her not going to drama school. She also talks about in her 20s and 30s how she wasted so many opportunities but how she's broke that pattern in her 40s and 50s and how that's led to so many opportunities. Rachel also talks about her own personal development journey and how that has helped her to break old patterns and to build that inner confidence. She also shares how imposter syndrome has cropped up for her in her new career as a model, but what she does to combat that. She also talks about the positive effects of ageing on our confidence, as well as how she is managing her own journey through the menopause. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Rachel Peru. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you? Nice to see you. Oh, really good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Not too bad. Winding down for the end of the year. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, it's my pleasure. That's been one of the great things that's come out of this year is all these new connections that I've made. Yeah. It's been really good fun. Yeah, it's been really good. So for anybody who doesn't know who you are, could you just give a brief overview of who you are and what you do? Yes, I am a, I class myself as a silver-haired curve model. Um, I started a new career as a model at 46 and I'm represented by Bridge Models in London. Um, I'm also a body confidence activist and podcast host of Out of the Bubble podcast. So I share women over 40s inspiring stories and personal journals. Yeah, I love that. As soon as I saw what you did, I was like, oh, I love the work that you do. So I want to go on to your modelling career that you started in your 40s um at some point but I just want to ask you when did you first hear about the term imposter syndrome it's interesting because I don't think I probably heard about it until fairly recently I yeah. think it's been in my 40s and yeah. you know I although I can recognize it now yeah. in, my, in my youth I, I didn't I didn't know there was a term for it and I didn't yeah. know what it was um so it's actually quite nice to have an understanding of, yeah. of why I've been feeling like I have and what barriers I've been putting in my way because of it. So yeah. it's been quite a self-development journey once I've, once I've heard the label and found out more about it. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm exactly like you. I only came across it when I was actually in my 40s. Thankfully, I'd already started to work on it, not actually realising what it was. But same as you, that sense of relief when you go, ah, oh, now I can actually... <laughs> understand why I felt like that the whole of my career yeah yeah and I think and the more you talk to people the more it just affects everybody doesn't it but it just a different yeah. way I guess yeah I don't know about you but I always thought it was just me 
Yeah, I did. I, I thought it was just my, because um, I was used to be really quite shy. So yeah. I just put, put it down to that being my personality, really, rather than actually something that was, that was almost physically stopping me doing things in yeah. life. Yeah. Can you remember the first time you sort of experienced it when you look back and now you've got a label for it? Can you see it coming up in your career? Or yeah, I can. Back than your career. Yeah, very much so. I think it's for me. I think it was right back to, to my sixth form days at school. You know, yeah. I absolutely loved drama. I did drama A level, um, but I did lack confidence. But also, I always felt like I wasn't quite good enough as everybody else was, and I was worried that people would think, "Oh, you know, what's she doing here?" So even though my drama teacher was encouraging me to go to, to drama school, I didn't go. And when I look back now, I think it's because I was worried that I would get found out that I wasn't actually as good as they said I was and I couldn't do it. And I think that's been a pattern right through up to my 40s, to be honest. And I think yeah. it's only the last 10 years that I've started to break that pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Talking yourself out of those opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I definitely see that. If I look back and connect the dots of all the times in my career that I said no to something there was always a bullshit excuse attached to it. Now that I go back and unpack it, yeah. it's exactly what you're saying underneath there. There's a, there's the real reason why we say no to things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've wasted so, I wasted so, well, I look back at my twenties and thirties, I've wasted so many opportunities, yeah. but then I suppose I've been part of my journey and maybe I wouldn't have been doing what I was doing now if I hadn't have had those experiences. So I suppose it's all kind of part of, <laughs> yeah. Journey, I guess. yeah I love that you look at it like that I'm exactly the same yes there's lots of things I said no to and I got in my way so much but I wouldn't be here talking to you today doing this interview if that hadn't happened yeah so there's a reason why all those things happened it's just lovely to look back and and be able to say well that's what that was now it's time to look forward yeah, definitely. No, I am very much, you know, looking forward and, and have, certainly in the last 10 years, I have kind of really tried to correct some of, some of the things that I've been yeah. putting in my way because of it. Yeah. And I like that you say in the last 10 years, because that for me is the same thing. It's a journey, isn't it? That some people say to me, you know, how do I just get rid of it? You know, they send me a message and I'm like, it's much more, I can't reply in a message. You've just got to do the work. Yeah. You've got to show up and do the work. And actually, I don't know whether you find this, is committing to making the change is actually more difficult than staying stuck. Yeah, definitely. I think it takes different level of courage. And I think you've just got to be committed to it and trust the process. Yeah. And I also think it's ongoing. I think it's never a done deal, is it? There's always going to be times when you're pushing yourself to try something different that it's going to yeah. come up again. Yeah, definitely. Well, I said before, another level, another devil. Yeah. just when you think that you're all comfort and your imposter's quiet because you're doing everything that once was scary and now it's not and you've found your feet as soon as you think about doing a new project or something else up it pops yeah yeah I suppose the difference is now I can recognize that so I can rationalize it a bit better yeah so would you talk to me about what made you change career in your 40s to what you're doing now, which I think is amazing? Yeah, but it wasn't really a straightforward journey. I actually got divorced at 39 um, yep. and I'd been with my, my husband since I was 16. So that was a long time to be with somebody. Yep. And then, uh, so I actually went back to university um, and yep. got a degree in education studies because I was working with early years um, education and young, young children. So I thought that was going to be my next career. Um, yep. 
and I thought I got it all mapped out. And then my eldest daughter got acute anxiety and was homeschooled. Um, so I had to, to stop working and was back at home again. Yeah. And then during that time, a friend had volunteered me to do some fashion shows for the local Macmillan charity, yeah. which I absolutely loved. I was terrified and had quite several gin and tonics to get me through it. <laughs> <laughs> but each year I did it, my yeah. confidence grew and I could see I was really enjoying it. And the photographer kind of said, you know, you're really photogenic. Have you thought about it? So by that time I was 45, 46. I thought, well, actually, I've got nothing to lose. What's, yeah. what, you know, I'll just try it and see. And I kind of went into it thinking I might get some local stuff in Leeds where I knew where I live, but it would be like a bit of a hobby. Um, and actually got signed by a London agency. So we've just kind of gone with the flow. And it's not what I expected to be doing at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like that though, that sometimes people can be so set on what's my next step, what's the next thing, but actually sometimes organically that will just happen if you allow things to happen and say yes to opportunities. Yeah, I was just going to say that's exactly it. I spent so much time saying no. Yeah. And then when I kind of got in my 40s, I just had this new lease of, right, you've got to say yes to stuff and worry about it later. Yeah. And so that has been a real pattern of mine. And it, and it has led to so many different opportunities in all different you know, parts of my life. So I'm a real, I really believe that people need to start saying yes to, to more things. Yeah. Would you just talk about that? Because when an opportunity comes through, what's that initial feeling that you got before you started to say yes to things? Um, oh, always scared. Always, yeah. always <laughs> worried. Always that, that, you know, fear or flight almost, you know, can I yeah. do it? Should I do it? Um, but then I suppose the more you do that and the more you push through it, then you've got that bank of memory. So you could say, well, yeah, you felt like this when you did that, but you still went ahead and did it and look what happened. So I think for me, it was like building blocks and yeah. just adding to it. It was like a different layer and a different layer. Yeah. And then it becomes second nature, I guess. Yeah. Because how do you find it now? I find when opportunities come up that I just don't have that reaction anymore. Yeah, no, I get excited now rather than scared. Yeah, most yeah. of the time. There is still some things that, you know, I think, oh, gosh, you know, can I do that? But I... I wouldn't let my fear stop me anymore. Yeah, no, that's lovely. And it is, it's about catching it, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes I think, well, how? And then I think, well, I think Richard Branson says it lovely. There's a quote of his, if an opportunity comes along, say yes and worry how you're going to do it later. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it is. Yeah. Um, I just fire off the yes before I can even start to get into yeah. the thought pattern of talking myself out of it. Yeah, no, I'm the same. Yeah, and, and sometimes people say, oh, you're so rash, you just get on with stuff and say yes to things too quickly. And I think, but for me, that's what I need to do because otherwise I'll start overthinking it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You talked about, um, obviously, in your 40s, do you think there's an age thing around imposter syndrome and being able to have some inner confidence that comes with age? Or do you just think it's through the work you've done as well? I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it could go two ways, actually, because I, I think I think it's from the work that I've done, because I made a conscious decision when I got to 40 that I had to change my, my, my pattern of and yeah. what I've been doing in life yeah. to get to get out of, you know, the, the, the kind of situation I've been in. So I yeah. think it was a conscious decision to make some changes. But I think there is that inner confidence because you've had all those life experiences and you survived those. So you, you start caring less about what other people think and more about what you're going to gain from doing it. So I think there's a shift there as well. Yeah, I love that. It is that not, it's not that you don't care, but not caring as much what other people think. Yeah. 
I definitely felt that when I went into my 40s. Yeah, and I you know I've just turned 50 now and I think it's even up to another level. I think I even care even less. You know, I think I'm going into this <laughs> oh, I'm nearly there. <laughs> I, do, I, think, <laughs> I think, you know, my 40s were great and I absolutely love being 40. My whole decade was fantastic. Um, but, you know, I'm really, I'm bringing it on for 50. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you see, I was exactly like you going into my 40s. So I hope I have that same zest when I'm going into my 50s as well as you do. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, I saw on your Instagram stories recently where you were talking about having a consultation about hormones um, and going into the menopause. And obviously, I've talked in the past about how our hormones in our monthly cycle, when you have a regular monthly cycle, how there's two points in your monthly cycle where your inner imposter will be louder because of what's happening with your hormones how have you felt um as you're transitioning through with your hormones how have you found that's affected your uh, yeah foster um it has definitely kind of increased it um yeah. the anxiety um that has come out of nowhere and it can be over anything as silly as driving you know and, and yeah. finding a car parking spot so i have been there when i've had really bad days to just drive back home again and come back again half an hour later because I just couldn't get my brain in gear and you suddenly doubt you start doubting yourself so it has definitely increased yeah um, and I am doing as much as I can for my own kind of naturally to exercise more and, and try and combat it and I think if you know what it is and the reason that it's why it's doing that and because it is your hormones yeah. I think it's slightly easier yeah to, to cope with because you know the reasons behind it um, but it's still it's really it's a challenge nice how you say you recognize what it is and that's what I found worked really well for me as well I'm feeling like this because my hormones are all over the place it's okay yeah and I think that allows you to give yourself the space and be a bit kinder to yourself if I am having a day like that or an afternoon where it suddenly comes up and if I can take a little bit of time out then that's, then that's something that I listen to now and I do maybe just have a break and go and read for half an hour and just switch yeah. off um, rather than just trying to work through it because yeah. it's a physical thing that's happening to me. You know, sometimes you, you just need to take a step back, I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting how you said, actually, with the age thing, it can be both ways. I think naturally I've managed to calm my imposter so much at a younger age, yet now it's the hormones that are driving it more, if we will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and also I think a lot of women get to 40, 45 and actually start new careers and reinventing themselves. And because they're stepping out of their comfort zones again, at the same time as all the hormones are kicking off, I think yeah. that can be like a double whammy. Yeah. How did how did it show up for you when you swapped to your new career? Did it crop up for you at all? Yeah, hugely. Um, yeah. I, I really kind of, I, I was excited, you know, whenever I got jobs in, I really was excited. Um, I mean, the worst for me was that I got a job with um, American model Ashley Graham, who was one of my you know icons of, of being a curved body confidence actress, which yeah. is fantastic. And so I'd been offered a job working in the Bahamas for a week, um, modeling swimwear with her yeah. um, and some other fabulous women. And it was literally my first year of, of modeling. And my husband came to Heathrow Airport with me and I was in tears in the toilets thinking, oh. what have I got myself into? I can't do this. I'm going to get there. They're going to think, why have we booked her? We don't know this woman. She can't model. And I, I really had a 
proper meltdown, really. Yeah. But if I hadn't been for my husband saying, just get on that bloody plane, you'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, obviously. And I came yeah. back and actually it did, it was exactly what I needed because it 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 just changed me. It something changed inside me that week. But that was really sometimes it could be really crippling. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? And it's so lovely that you've got your husband who's your cheerleader. I said, you've, everyone's got to have a cheerleader. Yeah, definitely. And he has been so encouraging about everything that I've been doing with the podcast, with, you know, modelling, swimwear, lingerie at 50. He's, he's so behind what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I just find it so fascinating. So in even in the modelling world, like you're... What I and I don't know whether I'm right, but like a, a new phase of curve models. Like before, it was always about having, you know, size zero models. Yeah. Um, how do you find the industry of accepting all different ages and different body types? How it's how it's getting better. I mean, I've I've been doing it for four years now, and in the last four years, I have seen a big difference. Um, you know, they are starting to understand that they've got to represent all shapes, sizes, colours, skins and cultures. You know, they've got to, to get on board with this, but it's still really slow. And I think probably more so for, for being older than, than being curvier. Um, I think they've yeah, embraced right. the curvier side quite quickly. Um, but I think there's still a long way to go for older models. You know, I think there's still a lot of token gestures in booking an older model just for a tick box rather than it just being because she looks fantastic in their clothes, you know, regardless of what age she is. Yeah, I love it. I love to see all different body sizes, different mm -hmm. ages. And, you know, like, like I said, I'm coming to 50. I want to see people my age modeling things. Yeah, exactly. You want to be able to really, you know, my big bugbear is, you know, we go into a lingerie shop at 50 or 40 and, you know, you're bombarded with images of a 20 year old in a bra that you're just about to try out in the changing rooms. And, you know, I never looked like that at 20, never mind at 50. You know, I want to be able to see a board of, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 year olds all together in one photograph. And then yeah. we'd all feel a lot better about ourselves, I think. Yeah. And I think the more I'd say it evolves, people will feel more confident because they're being more accepted. I always say imposter syndrome is not just doubting our abilities, but sometimes we feel like we don't belong in the spaces we're in. Yeah. And if we're in spaces, so, you know, you talk about in the modeling thing, you know, age is a new thing and it's being accepted more and more, but it's still not there. It's the same with people in the workplaces. Like, I worked in a real male dominated industry and I was one of the only females there. And that made me feel like I didn't belong a lot of the times or, yeah. you know, I work with a lot of middle-class people and I'm from a working class background and there. So it's, it's all these different spaces, isn't it? Where yeah. you, the actual, the external environment might make you feel like you don't belong. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I can relate to a lot of that. I'm saying I'm from a working class background, but I live in a very wealthy upper class town. And I think that there's always been that kind of, for me, in my head, there's been this kind of stigma of, of not getting quite good enough and not fitting in. Yeah. And I think then you carry that story through through your adult your life. Same with, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why I got my degree was because I always felt like I wasn't as good as other people that have got degrees yeah. so even if i've never used my degree since the fact that for me psychologically i'd managed to get to university at 40 and do my degree it was a real tick box exercise yeah. for me and a boost to my confidence i think it always been in my head yeah yeah it's sometimes it's what society tells us is good enough yeah uh, there's this pattern that you've got to follow isn't there that you know you get a good job and then well you've got to get 
a degree and then get a good job and then you get married and it's just this whole there's one thing after the other that you get this tick box and then there's another tick box and I've been really conscious of sort of stepping away from the tick boxes and deciding what I think is good enough for me yeah yeah, and I think it's something that they should start teaching in schools rather than, you know, this this narrative if there's a set routine for stuff because, you know, from a generation where our parents had job jobs for life and you trained yeah. in something and then you didn't really, nobody changed careers like no. in life. So I think there's still a slight kind of, you know, society's perceptions of people changing careers and not taking people quite as seriously as they should when they are taking these changes. Yeah. Did you find when you went into the workplace, because I found this, um, I didn't have any role models. I had role models in my family, you know, very good role models about life, but not working in, you know, I worked in businesses, um, in big organizations, and I was the first person in my family to follow that sort of career path. I didn't have any role model to tell me what went on and what to expect. Did you find that? No, I didn't. No. And I think, you know, I think um, I'd like to think that maybe that's changed now and that schools do provide more kind of mentorship as they're going through the system and also, but I think even my age now, I'm seeking out mentors and coaches and people that can help me because I think we all need it. I think we all need that, that slight guidance and somebody there to kind of, help you work things out for whatever age you are so I don't think it's necessarily just when you're younger I think I found it I need it more than ever now yeah it's a really lovely phrase I heard years ago um, and I'll try and remember and put it in the right context but it talks about what you talk about having a mentor a coach that when you're in the picture you can't see the frame and it's so true that sometimes you need someone's help to help you be the frame to look in at what's going on for you and you know, like you talked about changing your behaviours and things like that. Sometimes you need some help because we just, I think our brains naturally want us to go back to the comfort zone, go back, it's safe. And when we're in our comfort zone, our imposter is really quiet because it's like, yes, there's no danger around or perceived danger. But these people help. I've definitely found it um, through my journey of personal development that those people are the people that have helped me get out of my own way yeah definitely and I think it's about like just like you said is that you you can't see you can't actually picture what it will look like when you when you remove some of these barriers because you've just lived in the same pattern so it's having somebody else to say okay what if you did do that what do you think might happen and it it just has it definitely has has helped me and I would really advise people to if they can find a mentor I think it's really good to try and find people that you know you can connect with yeah um I've definitely had people right throughout, even if I didn't call them mentors, just people who were my cheerleaders, even when I wasn't my best cheerleader. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And when I look back now and even, you know, when I look back at my school days, I had a drama teacher who, who, you know, I can see what she was trying to do and she was fantastic and she did give me a lot of confidence, but I just still then let that fear hold me back. Um, but she was there rooting for me and I think that was probably my first experience of of somebody doing that Um, and I wish I'd had more of it in my youth I think yeah definitely and I'd say to anybody if you've got someone who believes in you just hold on to that belief till you get your own yeah yeah like hold on to it for dear life and and really absorb that until you've got your own in yourself and like you said I think it's just work in progress 
Yeah, always. Isn't it? Yeah. Always. What do you find um, triggers your imposter the most? What situations do you find it crops up for you? Um, certainly in, in the modelling, um, it is getting less. But if I go, for instance, if I go for a job where I'm with older, two other older models, um, the yeah. majority of older models that I know have done it since they were teenagers. Yeah. So, and I, so I still feel, even though I've been doing it for years and I've had some really big campaigns, I still feel like the newbie. Yeah. I still feel like I've got to work that bit harder to prove myself. Yeah. So it will definitely crop up if I'm around what in my head, you know, more experienced um, models because I'm always thinking, you know, what they must be thinking, what's she doing here? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, it's getting less, but it's yeah. definitely at the back of my mind when I'm going to certain jobs. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think it's like anything, isn't it? like you said before every time you push yourself that little bit more and take yourself out of the comfort zone it will rear its head again yeah yeah i always say what's the story you're telling yourself like what is it um but it's good that you catch it what are some of the things that you do to you know you say about catching the thoughts but what else do you do in your routine or when this crops up that you catch it and some of the practices you might do to get out of it quicker because you talked about now it's much easier for you to get out of that spiral yeah i am um, i've actually got a carry little notebook around with me and so oh. i've written down and i keep adding to it but i've written down all the things that i'm really proud of that i've achieved um, and it's just a long list and yeah. i read it so if before i'm going to a big job i'm on the train i will read it and i will reread it and i will reread it and so it's just forming those positive affirmations about yourself that you know that you've done this, you've done that. Yeah. So why can't you do this? So I think it's, a, it's about, for me, reading something really helps. I love that because I talk about creating affirmations that are true. Um, you know, a lot of people tell you to find some positive affirmations and, and repeat them. But I find when you're crippled by imposter syndrome, if you're saying things that you don't currently believe, your imposter just goes, bullshit, that's not true. Bullshit, yeah. bullshit. So I love what you do because it's factual stuff that actually has happened. Yeah. You're just reaffirming the good stuff and yeah. proving all the wonderful things you've done and your abilities. Yeah, and I think it's something that I can keep adding to. And I always write it when I'm in a positive mindset. So, you know, yeah. I could say it and really self-promote myself, I guess, um, in my little book. Um, but it definitely, it definitely helps me. I love that idea. So I definitely recommend that for people to start to do. I talk about at the end of the day, thinking of three things that went well that day. Um, but sometimes actually what you're saying, I love it because you're saying you write it in a positive mindset. If you've been in a day where actually your imposter syndrome has been crippling and you feel crappy about yourself, even if you write things down, you might not actually feel that great about what you're writing down. So I love the fact that you write it when you're feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, every sentence will start off saying, I, you know, I did this, I did that, I went here. Um, it's just that kind of statements about myself. Love it. And you talked when we spoke before about how you'd, you'd come to journal um, this year, that it was something that you started as a practice. Yeah, I love it. 
yeah. yeah um so i do i write a gratitude journal and i do that every night um yeah. you know my husband will say oh she's she's writing all the horrible stuff about me again <laughs> sat in bed <laughs> writing pages <laughs> and then it has progressed and now i just write you know i've just got a book on my desk and i write thoughts down you know just yeah. throughout the day if something pops up i'll write it down yeah um, because i just i'm an overthinker you know i've got a really busy head full of ideas and if i don't write things down then it just beats me up and i you know i, I can't function properly so it's really i've really enjoyed journaling this year yeah. how have you noticed it's helped with your mindset um i think on the bad days because obviously it's been a roller coaster this year hasn't it and yeah, I mean, for me yeah. for me work really stopped at the beginning of the year because like, you know most of my work's in london yeah. and obviously everything just shut down yeah. so it definitely helps because it just let me focus on the small things you know so it was it was as simple as i've been out in the garden gardening for two hours today and the flower came up or I've been out for a dog walk, or I, you know, I saw my friend across the road, and we had a two-minute chat. It, it was just recognizing the, the the small things instead of focusing on all the big goals and dreams and aspirations and the things you're working towards. It just brought me back down to be a bit grounded more, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I I same as you. I started doing gratitude to start with, and not realizing the impact that it would help rewire my brain to think and find more positive in the day and what i found was then it started to impact the way that i thought about myself and situations so it, it sort of had an effect that i didn't expect it to. i didn't start gratitude to feel better about myself mm. i just wanted to try this new thing that everybody was talking about but then i actually the the effect of that was helping me to see lots of things in different ways and and noticing all those little things like you say yeah yeah no it's been uh, it's been a really good tool for me this year yeah i've been doing it i should actually get all my old journals out and see what date the first one was but yeah just years and years of writing my thoughts and um what i want but gratitude is the one thing that is constant and actually at some points this year i didn't feel like doing it mm. like actually writing in my journal i went through a bit of a stage that i was like i don't want to write my journal but actually my brain was still doing it yeah yeah and i'll tell you for me it's really interesting as well because when i was younger probably up to about 18 i journaled all the time did you and i loved it and it was a really good way of me expressing my thoughts and getting it out on paper yeah. and then i think it's such a shame that for whatever reason you, you stop yeah so it's nice to come back to it it feels like i have come back to it and refound it again and it's nice oh that's lovely that you did it before i never did it before um so it's lovely that you've reconnected with something that worked yeah that time ago yeah and i think it's interesting that maybe you know our scientists expectations of journaling in your 20s and 30s you don't necessarily get the knowledge about it you don't get people telling you you know to do it so you do yeah. so it just goes by the wayside so i think more work probably needs to be done to encourage people to do it actually yeah and it's, it's exactly what you said it's finding those small things to focus on mm. but actually even when you're thinking about success and actually your own abilities it is those small things yeah. all added up together that make you what you are and how good you are it is all those tiny little things isn't it yeah and otherwise it could become so overwhelming you know yeah. if you think of the bigger picture whereas if you break it down into little things that you've done little steps it just seems that much more attainable really yeah 
Um, now, also as well, you have, because this is how I actually spoke to you earlier this year, would you tell people about the wonderful work that you do to empower other women as well? Um, so yeah, I do the podcast, um, yes. As The Bubble Podcast, which I absolutely love. So I started two years ago. Um, yeah. In fact, I've just recorded my last episode of the year. So I've interviewed 58 women so far. And it's predominantly women over 40 that have either reinvented themselves, um, overcome hurdles in life, changed careers, changed hobbies, you know, started something, some amazing adventures. Yeah. And it's really just to try and give those women a voice because I, I really believe we've all got a story to tell. Yeah. And I think the more we can share our stories, then we can all learn from each other. Yeah. And then that encourages us all to kind of want to be able to reach out of our own bubble and step out of our comfort zone. Um, so I love doing it. And I've, you know, I've already got next year's guests all lined up. So I'm just, wow. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what I can do next year with it. But the, it's really grown this year. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Oh, I love it. Just elevating and, and supporting women. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. It's exactly why I wanted to do it. I think everybody has a story, even when they don't think they've got a particularly interesting one. Yeah. They definitely do. Yeah, and it's funny, the, the women that have been like, some because I've had some celebrities on, I've had people like Meg Matthews um, yeah. talking about the menopause, and the people like that, the higher profile ones, have actually got less downloads than, than a woman that nobody's ever heard of before that we can all relate to that's got a really interesting story but she didn't think she had a story to tell so, yeah. it's, so I love that do you know what it's really interesting because I remember um it was a while ago I was sharing some um I shared something about I can't remember which celebrity talking about imposter syndrome and what was really interesting was everyone said but we don't we can't connect even though it's somebody who we can all recognize from the public eye, the fact that she experiences it doesn't make us feel connected to her because she just feels too different to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually what they said was meeting other people more like themselves made them feel more connected that they weren't alone in this. And I thought that was so interesting and yeah. exactly the same with my guesses. I'm looking for people that people can connect with and maybe think, yes, that is like my sister or my friend, mm. or like me. You know, they yeah. can they can uh, relate to those people. So it's I I love that you've got that as well. Yeah, no, I think it's really important. I just think you know, the more we can share these stories out there, because the media don't do it. You know, the media yeah. so often don't put out the positive stories about women in midlife. So you know, I, I love the fact that I can use my platform to do that. Well, to be fair, the whole thing around marketing is they want us to doubt ourselves, don't they? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah they really do. Yeah, it's what sells their products. Yeah, everything yeah. geared towards not being enough. You need this product to be good enough. You need to do this to be good enough. So um, sort of bulking against that and, and going inwards to say, what do I need to feel good enough? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's trying to blinker off from what the media is telling us isn't it yeah it is it's about staying in your own lane isn't it and just trying to focus on what you're doing not focus on on the peripheral stuff that the media yeah. is throwing at you or find people like you to follow who look like we do or is it the age that we are so we can follow that rather than follow the marketing and the media that's trying to 
tell us something that doesn't look like us. Yeah, I think that's one of the good things. I know social media gets quite a bad rap, but I think it's one of the great things that's come out of social media is places like Instagram, you can curate your own feed. Yeah. So you can follow the people that, that make you feel good and that you can relate to, that you want yeah. to be inspired by. So yeah. it's much more, you know, it is actually in your control. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to buy any magazines at all. You can create your own online magazine, if you like, by following women that you can relate to. It is. That's one of the wonderful things about social media, isn't it? Mm. Um, and, and finding those people, like you say, that you can connect with and feeling OK. How do you feel about unfollowing those people that trigger you? Like I, I know sometimes being really transparent, I can be triggered by someone thinking oh, they're well ahead of me or they're doing yeah. things that I should be doing. And I, it's nothing to do with them. It's always about me. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> yeah. How do you tackle when that pops up for you? Um, I, I am much more aware of it now. So if I know that I'm going into a bit of a downward comparison, Yes, yeah, but hold. Yeah, I will give myself a break from social media, you know, for half a day, or I'll just won't go and look at these particular feeds. And I and I don't have a problem with with unfollowing people that don't make me feel, you know, right about myself because then it creates anxiety and then it makes you feel, you know, it has a knock on effect. So I think you've, you know, you, we don't owe anybody. I think one thing you learn that with age, don't you? You don't owe anybody anything. And um, the same for people that might follow me that then suddenly decide that, that, that right now it's not for them. Yeah, that's fine. I think you've just got to put your own boundaries up. Yeah, it's hard. boundaries is such an interesting topic, isn't it? And yeah. I think doing that on following people with no guilt, it's not about them, it's about you. Yes, yeah, exactly. it's not about that their content isn't good or they may think bad of you. It's what yeah. you need to help yourself. And even if people aren't at the stage where we are, where we can unfollow someone without the guilt, is just mute people. Yes. You don't see yeah. their content, so they don't know that you're not seeing it. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I hope Instagram brings that in, because I don't think you can do that on Instagram, can you? But I know yeah, on Facebook, you can. You, oh, can you? Because yeah, I don't know you can yeah, do that. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Well, that's something learned, I've learned today. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I do do that on Facebook. I think it's really good, because sometimes you just, for whatever reason, whatever's going on in your head, you know, we all live different lives, don't we? We don't know what somebody's experienced at that particular time. Yeah, and I think like you said, this year has been a really challenging year and to protect our own mental health, um, you know, we wouldn't go into a news agent and pick up a newspaper or a magazine that didn't make us feel good. Social media is exactly the same, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Except we've got more access to it and it's so much easier and we're on it. You know, we, we read it and overread it and overread it. So yeah. it's even worse in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, would you tell people about this? You, when we spoke, you told me about this amazing project that you're doing, um, which is definitely pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. Uh, is this the book? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I have embarked on, um, I'm, I'm writing a book um, that is going to be um, interviews with, with 20 inspiring women that are over 40 that have done exactly that. They've been reinvented themselves or started new challenges. Um, so it's sharing their stories. But then the twist will be, as a beginner, I will then take each of those subjects and learn to do it myself. So, so I have committed to doing a half marathon um, next year, 
and I have um, I'm talking to a triathlete so I'm talking to an artist a photographer so it's a real cross-section of things yeah. but I really wanted to show it as a beginner's point of view because it's all right hearing these stories but lots of women will then say well yeah that's she can do that but there's no way I can still do that yeah. and I think having hopefully you know the idea of me doing it and sharing my journey of it because I know lots of it will be a disaster <laughs> no, I'll put my hands up you know I'm not a natural runner Trisha it's going to kill me <laughs> but I am in training slowly um, but at least it will show kind of the reality of it I guess yeah and also it's a challenge for myself because I, I wanted to push myself and see what I could do um, yeah. and, and say yes to a few more things so it will be it's a yeah, it's a really good fun project, but it'll be an interesting year to get to get all the projects actually completed yeah. this year. I love that. I love the fact that you were interviewing all these people, then, but then you were actually going to go and do that. I think you were off paddleboarding when we spoke. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so you know, there's lots of really lovely things to to be able to do in it, um, <gasps> and I think probably the running and the triathlon triathlon is going to be the hardest one for me the physical things whereas the creative things I think I will actually quite enjoy learning a new skill yeah it's interesting I did a half marathon years ago but it started as we decided uh, with some work colleagues to do a 3k or is it a 5k and then we decided to do a 10k and then we went to a half marathon and built up and, and after I finished it, I was like, I'm never running again. <laughs> well, yes, I, yeah, I did um, the Great Not North for me. Run. No, I did the Great North Run, um, but it was 20 years ago. I did it for my 30th. And yeah. that, to be honest, that was really hard work. And I'm sure I said I'd never do it again. So yeah. I have picked Chester, but it's really flatted Chester. So I'm feeling yeah. <laughs> slightly better about Why that. Why do you did that? I picked one in <laughs> Preston, uh, which is hilly. And it was um, a race meet one, so it wasn't actually official one. So there weren't people cheering us on. I was like, this is oh. But yeah, it's such a sense of achievement once you've done it, because actually it was more difficult than it could have normally been. Yeah, yeah. And some things I really love doing. I think you know there'll be some things that I might actually stick with and continue yeah. afterwards, and other things I probably just it'll be a one-off and I'll never do it again. Yeah. But it'll be an interesting process. It's really interesting because there's an imposter type, which is the natural genius, that when they try something new, if they find it difficult, instead of thinking this is challenging, they start to go, what's wrong with me? So it's really interesting. Um, you talking about doing all these new experiences. Some people will shy away from new experiences because they don't pick it up easily. But actually, that's a distortion of competency is it's not it's not natural just to pick things up really easily it is challenging and it's more yeah. the thing is challenging rather than you're not good enough yeah and you know who's to say you're not good enough you know whatever level of photography or painting that i do it's not going to be the same level as an artist that's been doing it 20 years yeah. but it will be my interpretation of whatever i'm doing and i think that has to be enough yeah absolutely and it's like you say you know you starting something new and comparing yourself to someone who's done it for 20 years a bit like when you said with the modeling yes when yeah. you show up for something and they've been doing it all this time like stick keep your eyes in your own lane because you can't compare yeah. your chapter one with someone's chapter 20 it's just no. it's not fair to yourself <laughs> no and also you know you bring a different perspective to something and you bring different eyes to it and you've got all got different you know personal experiences that, yeah. that another another person won't have so I think it is about staying in your own lane isn't it yeah so what advice would you give to people who might be a little bit miserable but they're comfortable in their comfort zone and every time they have an idea and they think about doing it 
up pops the inner imposter to say, who am I to do it? I'm too old. You know, I'm not slim enough. Whatever it is, I'm not smart enough. What advice would you give to people who are dying to get out of the comfort zone, but the imposter is trying to keep them safe inside? I always think whenever I start about doing new projects, I always write a list. So I'll write um, a list of how I would feel if I do do it. Yeah. And, you know, what I'll get out of it. And then I'll write a list of how I'll feel if I just don't bother doing it. And the list of how I am, what I'm going to get out of it, and the positive list is always longer than yeah. the list of the one line saying, well, I'm going to feel rubbish about it and regret not doing it yeah. or People trying it. At me. Yeah. What if I'm not yeah. good enough? Yeah. And I think you've just got to start. You don't have to be perfect. You've just got to make that first small step and try, you know, just that one little thing. If it's, you know, if you want to start paddleboarding, it would be looking up if there's a paddleboarding course near you where's the nearest place and then the next day or the next week looking at how much it's going to cost what you know how can you do it and I think it's just not overthinking it and making small steps forward yeah I think it's so right because even when you start to do something sometimes I found with things that I've tried to get better at it's just that sticking at something like don't give up before you get good enough yeah <laughs> you don't try something and think oh that was a failure and run away from it because it didn't work is just show up again yeah and do it again even though last time wasn't a success because success is just a bunch of failures that you didn't give up on yeah definitely you know I think I've learned that from the podcast has really taught me that because I've been doing it for two years now and, and I can see how much I've grown but I could have easily stopped after the first series of 12 because you know at the time I wasn't getting as many listeners so it wasn't the downloads weren't very high and at that point I could have said well I'm never going to be able to make this work I can't do it it's not I could have easily given up and to be honest in the past I probably would have done yeah but but now I'm in a different mental place where I can say actually no stick with it consistency get on with it and it's turned you know it's now growing even more so it is about consistency isn't it yeah definitely I many a times I've I've been thinking about doing this podcast for so long um, and just kept sort of getting in my own way, if I'm being honest, the sorts of excuses I can mm-hmm. say there was, but yeah, you've just got to show up and do it, haven't you? Yeah. I, I say to myself, even if it's crap, <laughs> yeah. which is not because I'm, I'm interviewing amazing people. It's not about me. It's about the people I'm interviewing. It's just about showing up. Like you said, I'm just yeah. showing up and hoping that it, it does what I want it to do. But, it, it, I know that it'll take time. It's not going to be perfect immediately. Yeah. No, I really love that. Um, Playing Big by Tara Moore. Oh, that I was really, a game changer for yeah, me. Me too. And I've read yeah. it so many times. Um, and I just can't recommend that enough because that's that's exactly about it, isn't it? It's just getting on with it, making those steps and, and showing up. Yeah. Show up when you're scared. Yeah. Show up when you don't know what you're doing. Just show up and yeah. just start. Yeah. Um, there's a, an author that talks about people who want to write and she said just write knowing that your first version is going to be shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> just write your first shitty draft it's going to be shit mm. just write it and I think that takes the pressure off doesn't it of wanting it like you say to be perfect yeah 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 because what is perfect what is perfect anyway <laughs> is there such things no <laughs> So you run a group as well, don't you? Do you still run that group? Yeah, I've just started it. Uh, it's called Time to Shine on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and I love it because I've, I've not really spent a lot of time on Facebook. I actually think it's a really good place because it's slightly quieter. 
yeah. there's a lot of noise on, on Instagram and Instagram lives as, as you know it's a great place but there's so many going on yeah. and I wanted to try and connect with more women in a, in a quieter space yeah. so it's aimed at women that that really have got these dreams and aren't working towards their goals but are still scared of putting their head above the parapet and saying well listen I'm here yeah. and you know self-promotion and, and just starting you know that's why it's called time to shine awesome. so I'll have different guests coming in and you know I pop in every day and I chat with people and we're just starting to get the conversation going so yeah. I think I've about 130 women in the group so far but it's only been oh. going over a month so I'm really pleased yeah so people need to search for that Yes, yeah, time, it, it's time to shine, it's called on Facebook. Yeah, I love how you come up, just every, everything that you've called everything. I love that creativeness that you've got, that, yeah, out of the bubble and time to shine. They're just really, yeah, you're good at that. Well, out of the bubble was because I live in a really small town that I've lived here yeah. all my life, and it's beautiful. It's a great place to bring up. It's a lovely place yeah. to bring the kids up, but it is like living in a bubble. You know, lots of people have been like me and lived here all their lives. And yeah. so for me, when I started these new journeys in my 40s, I felt like I was stepping out of that bubble. Yeah. And so it's that, that kind of where was the inspiration from for that name. Yeah. So it's time to shine, people. Yes, it is. Exactly. Yeah. Need some support. Go yes. find Rachel's group on Facebook. Yeah, I'd love to have you. <laughs> cool. Um, so where else? So they can find you in Time to Shine. Where else can people find you? Um, Instagram is probably my main. With you. Yeah, I mean, Instagram is my main platform. So you can find me at Rachel Puri One. Um, and then the podcast is outofthebubblepodcast.com. Yeah. Um, and that's got my blog on there as well. And then Facebook, um, Out of the Bubble. And then I've got my It's Time to Shine group as well. Ah, cool. So what I'll do, I'll put all the links in the show notes below so people can find Lovely. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your stuff. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's been great to talk to you. Um, I definitely, as I'm heading into my 50s, watching you <laughs> and <learning laughs> from you and ready to embrace the, the 50s. Thank you. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. conversation with Rachel how did you find it was there parts of her story that really resonated with your own or did you find some of the things that she spoke about really inspiring or motivating I would love to hear what your biggest takeaway from this conversation was in the show notes you will find links of how to connect with myself and Rachel as well as some details about the books that we spoke about in this episode also, if you think someone would benefit from listening to this conversation, then please feel free to share it with them. And if you do share it on your social media, please tag me so that I can see that. I'd love for you to contact me and let me know what your biggest takeaway was from this podcast and maybe something that you're going to change as a result of it. If you want to know when the next episode is going to land, please hit the subscribe button. And can I be really cheeky? If you really enjoyed it, please take the time to rate and review it. Finally, I would just like to say a massive thanks to Rachel for coming and having this conversation with me. So until next time and the next conversation, bye for now.